Amen. 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 How many ready to get in the word this morning? Okay, so here's the deal. We are continuing in Revelation, and we are in how many how many want to how many want to guess how many parts we've had so far? Ten? Ooh, that's a good guess. Uh, twelve. Bobby hit the nail on the head. We are in part twelve of Revelation. Boy, this is gonna this is gonna be a while, Gary. Uh, March, it could be, it could be. But hey, how many want to go through it the right way? Amen. You know, we don't want to rush through it. We want to get through it the right way. We're going to take some time off for Christmas. Yeah, you know, we're going to do that, Gary. We don't want to have a, a hellfire brimstone message during the Christmas season. That would be interesting. Uh, we save that for Thanksgiving, right? <laughs> no, it'd be good. Uh, we are going through a study of Revelation. Last week, we were able to break down and examine uh, the two witnesses that we see in Revelation. And so we've gone so far, we've gone through seven seal judgments. We've gone through seven trumpet judgments. And the next set of judgments that we are going to go through is what's referred to as the bowl judgments. But before we get to that, let's pray. Amen. Lord, I thank you for the word this morning. Lord, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you that it speaks to our lives, to our hearts. Lord, I pray that we don't just hear it and leave it, but we take it with us. Lord, that we would hold on to it, that you would continue to speak to us throughout the week about it. Lord, we thank you and praise you for your word, for your mercy, and for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. We have before us the bold judgments, but... The good, the good news is this. Before we get into the bold judgments, the vision that John has, the Apostle John, John the Revelator, the message that he has takes a turn. If you'll notice throughout Revelation, you'll see patterns of numbers, patterns of numbers that have meaning to them. Okay. So how many remember uh, a few years back, actually probably more than a few years back now, there was some sort of ridiculous thing going around called the Bible Code remember that that was like a big thing like looking at the bible code and all these numbers they could break it down and the greek and hebrew and the numbers meant one thing and it had to do with prophecy and all of a sudden they could it was all these things like jf when jfk was going to be shot and all these things they said oh yeah this was in this that's not what i'm talking about at all all right that was nonsense this is it's always interesting when people find stuff that things say after it happened right that's, that's always the interesting thing about it. So listen, that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is this. There are patterns that develop in Scripture. So you'll notice that certain numbers have certain meaning, okay? So you'll notice patterns of three in Revelation. You'll notice patterns of four. You'll notice patterns specifically of seven. You'll also notice the number 10 and 12 come up frequently, right? And so the, in biblical numerology... The number seven has significant meaning. Does anybody know what that is? The number seven. Tim, you know what that is? Perfection or completeness, right? So number seven is is perfection or completeness. Also in the book of Revelation, we see multiple parallels. Parallels, meaning that we see a sequence of events, and then we see that same sequence, but from a different perspective. How many know it's good to look at things from a different perspective sometimes? Sometimes what you see and what others see are two very different things, right? So much of what we go over in Revelation, we may have already covered, but we're just able to look at it from a different angle. So in chapter 12 of Revelation, we don't see another set of judgments. 
we don't see another set of trumpets or seals, right? What we see is an entirely different narrative or an entirely different angle of what's happening. So it's, it's as if in the middle of this vision, John steps back from the close-up picture and is able to see the entirety or the whole of the picture, okay? And so what we see is an entirely different perspective. So today, we're going to get into that narrative and what it is. It begins in chapter 12, and it lasts through the end of chapter 14. What we see is three chapters that really use intense imagery, really confusing language. I, I, I'm not, I, I, my goal is not to go over everyone's head this morning, including myself. Amen? I don't want to go over everybody's head, including me. But to show you how confusing this is, I'm going to show you the first four verses of Revelation chapter 12, and it says this. Now a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head was a garland of 12 stars. Verse 2 says, Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. Verse 3, And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a fiery great, or a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars to heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. Now, if we just read that, and if we just focus on that, it's kind of fantastical, right? This narrative is kind of, it's almost like you could be reading Lord of the Rings. It's almost like you could be reading something by C.S. Lewis, right? You, it's fantastical, it's interesting, it's, the imagery is powerful. What we have here is a pregnant woman who is facing off with a dragon. You ever see this? How many ever read Revelation before? Right? How many? No, this is not normal in Scripture. This kind of steps outside of what is normal in Scripture and shows us this incredibly different narrative. The dragon is standing in front of the pregnant woman and has one goal. The goal is for the woman to give birth and for the dragon to eat the child. It's pretty messed up. Right? It's pretty messed up, but that's what we see. It's not a pretty picture. And listen, if you're only seeing this for the first time, you say, wait a second, I've read the Bible my whole life. I've never seen this. I've read the Bible from cover to cover. I like it when people always say that. I've read it from cover to cover. That's great. That's awesome. Have you ever seen this, and do you understand what it means? So if you haven't seen this before, or if you have but you're not sure, let's break it down. Amen? What John has seen are images. These images, these signs that he is conveying, he doesn't always give us the specifics of what it means. Isn't that frustrating? How many ever, well, spoke to your spouse, maybe, Doug, and it seems that what she's saying is maybe in code? Come on. You bunch of, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Maybe, uh, let's, let's, let's pick on the husbands there. Uh, uh, where is Carol? Carol, have you ever spoken to Doug and it seems like what he's saying is in code? Yeah. That's the way it goes sometimes, right? If you're a married, if you're a married person, my wife, I love her. I do. I love my wife. Sometimes the things she says makes zero sense to me. And sometimes the things I say to her make zero sense to her. Sometimes I'm like, okay. So husbands, you know that sometimes you see your wife and she's just not in a great mood. 
I could get in trouble here. But you want to make her feel better. So you go, honey, what's the matter? And she goes, eh. Yeah. Well, honey, did I do something wrong? That should always be the first question. Did I do something wrong? No. Did something happen at work? Yeah. You want to talk about it? That's the mistake that men make. <laughs> you want to talk about it? Because then they say yes, and then it's 30 minutes of, of that conversation, and you go, well, wait a minute. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not a part of this. I don't know what's going on. This is code to me. This is, this is gobbledygook to me. It doesn't make sense to me, but it makes sense to her. Here, what's, what John has seen makes sense to John, but it doesn't make sense to us. How many know there's sometimes in the Bible where it makes sense to the author, but it doesn't make sense to us? You say, Pastor David, that was a poor analogy. It works. <laughs> it works. We can have fun with it, amen? Listen, it can't all be grim, uh, hellfire brimstone, right? We want to have some fun with the Word of God this morning, amen? We're, we're okay with that. We can have fun. You know, you bunch of sad people this morning. What is the matter with you? Let me see a smile, Mike. Mike, show everybody. Mike, come on. Mike, I want you to stand up, Mike. Go ahead. Stand up. Go ahead. Show everybody your smile. Isn't that a good smile? Go ahead and be seated, Mike. Thank you. Listen, we got the joy of the Lord this morning. Amen. Amen. I know people are tired. I know that, you know, life is tough. It's how it's going right now. But glory to be to God. We're in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. 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 So what are these images that John sees? What do they mean? Today, I want to start by looking at the three chapters, Revelation 12, 13, and 14. And we're going to look at them as a whole. All right. So today we're going to cover just chapter 12. But throughout the next few weeks, we want to cover 12, 13, 14, and look at them as a whole. So what do we see here? In these three chapters, what we essentially see is the main players of the Great Tribulation. The images can be confusing, for sure. But with the help of commentaries and various theologians, pastors, other ministers, I'm going to break them down for you. So the first one, uh, go to the first verse there, Mikey. The woman, the child, and the dragon. Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with sun and the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of 12 stars. Now, the woman represents Israel. The woman is Israel. The 12 stars are the 12 tribes of Israel. If you were raised Catholic, you were probably told that this was Mary, the mother of Jesus. If you, if you studied this at all in any way, you would have told this is Mary, the mother of Jesus. It is not Mary, the mother of Jesus, but it contains Mary, the mother of Jesus. Amen? It's a description of Jesus coming out of Israel. Then we see the dragon. How many can tell me who the dragon is? Satan. That's right. Good job. A plus. Amen? Satan, the dragon, this fiery red dragon with seven heads appears. And on each of those heads is a diadem. How many know what a diadem is? A diadem, very simply, is a crown. So a, 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 a red dragon, seven heads, on each head is a crown. He has ten horns. And I want to I say this. The side note is we see the word dragon being used here for Satan 
in the Greek. But what's interesting is if you have any interest in Old Testament literature, uh, how many know what the Hebrew word for Satan is? It's Leviathan. So if you know anything about Old Testament literature, when you see Leviathan, it's worth remembering what Leviathan represents when you see it in the Old Testament. That's just a nugget if you guys want to grab a hold of that. That's good. The child. Who's the child? Not, don't, don't, don't bring the Mandalorian into this. I just saw, my wife gave me a look, and she goes, the child? No, it is Jesus the Lord, amen? Gary's like, what's the Mandalorian? <laughs> it is Jesus, amen? Verse 5 says this. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations, say all nations, with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and his throne. Now, what we see here in the first five verses of Revelation chapter 12 is historical. Jesus comes out of Israel. The dragon, Satan, wants to devour or destroy him, but Jesus, how many know, is victorious on the cross and ascends to heaven. Amen? Amen. Now, in the first, in the sixth verse, we jump back into what's known as the tribulation timeline. So, a period of how many years? Seven years, right? Number is significant. Seven. Sixth verse, we jump back into that timeline. It says this. Then the woman, who is the woman? Israel, fled into the wilderness where she has, been, she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. 1,260 days is how long? Three and a half years. 42 months. Three and a half years. We see then that there is a war in heaven or a conflict in heaven. Now, uh, this is interesting because verse 7 says this. A war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail. Say, they did not prevail. It means they lost. Amen? Nor, listen, they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. That's an important verse. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Verse 9, so the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world, he was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now, we see a few things here that I want to break down. There is a war that is fought in heaven, and Satan is cast out with his angels, which we know to be one-third of all angels. And while this may sound like it is historical, it is not. This is prophetic. This is future. The war that takes place is taking place during the tribulation. Biblically speaking, I want to say this, we see Satan fall four times. We see Satan fall four times. When most of us think about Satan being cast out of heaven, most of us think about the initial casting out, right? And so if we think, if we think about Jesus, uh, Jesus said he fell like lightning from heaven, we see Satan was cast out, right? Ezekiel 28 gives us the initial description of what happened. Ezekiel 28, verse 14 through 16 says this. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. 
You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you out as a profane thing out of the mountain of God. And I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. That is the initial casting out. The angel called Lucifer rebelled against God. This anointed cherub, this anointed angel named Lucifer rebelled against God. In Isaiah, we see that he tried to raise up his will against the will of God. And how many know he was cast out of heaven? Amen? But we also see that historically, specifically the books of Job and Zechariah, that there are times where he goes into heaven to accuse people. So he has access to go to heaven. He has access to speak with the Father. But he is not, he is not in residence there, right? What does the enemy do all the time? Day and night, he accuses you. He accuses us. He is the accuser of the brethren, right? So here, what we see is the end of the battle in Revelation 12 ends with him being permanently removed, no longer having a place in heaven, which means it hasn't happened yet, but it will happen later. Amen? How many glad to know it will happen later? The enemy can only do what God allows him to. And soon he will face his ultimate downfall. Amen? Now, in this battle, we see the head of the angelic host is an angel named Michael. Say Michael. Michael would also be described as an archangel. Another term would be a captain of the angel army, right? That's who he is. We see that he fights the dragon. Who's the dragon? Satan, Lucifer. And he wins the battle. But I have to stop here and point out a few really important things, and that's this. There are a few cults, Seventh-day Adventists, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, that would equate Michael the angel with Jesus the Christ. That is simply not true. I want to point to this clearly. It is simply not true. In Jude, in the book of Jude, we see the only authority that Michael has comes from Jesus. The only authority Michael has comes from Jesus. In fact, let's also point out that Satan, before he was Satan, was Lucifer, right? And he was also a created being. So when we see this war in heaven, this is important to understand. When we see this war in heaven, we see Michael fighting Lucifer. This is a war among equals. This is a battle among equals. Satan, Lucifer, should never be equated with Jesus. Amen? Michael, a created being, should never be equated with Jesus. This is important. Remember, God has no equal. Amen? Jesus has no equal. Satan is not equal to Jesus in power or authority. I think as Christians, we get confused about this sometimes. We, we think it's good and evil, right? There's a battle of good and evil, and one is just as powerful as the other. No, it is not. I think this needs to be made very clear. Satan is not equal to Jesus. Amen. He is an ant on the shoe of the king. 
right? That is just, that is all that he is. And so we get fearful. We get, we get, uh, we get so fearful. Oh, this, the enemy is doing this. The enemy is doing that. He's a big dummy, right? He is, I don't understand. He is so stupid all the time. He continually tries the same things over and over and over. Don't fall into the trap of believing that there is some cosmic wrestling match between Satan and Jesus. There is no wrestling match happening. Jesus wins always. Amen? Amen. Satan, listen, is being used by Jesus under the permission of Jesus to ultimately bring about the return of Jesus and the destruction of evil. Amen? That's what's happening here. If you think about Jesus and Satan as as equals, then your view of Jesus is both sad and sinful. If you think of Jesus as the same, just on the opposite side. And so many times we get caught up in this thinking. I know we just talked about the Mandalorian a little bit ago, but how many uh, know what Star Wars theology is? Well, you have the dark side and you have the light side, right? You have the, the force for good and the force for bad. You don't know the power of the dark side, right? It's pretty good. Pretty good James Earl Jones there. Yeah, no. Here's the interesting thing. It presents a view of good versus evil, this good force, bad force, uh, light force, dark force, right? And it presents them as equal. They are not equal. Amen? They are not equal. In fact, uh, Star Wars theology, as bad as it is, uh, should never be equated with the gospel. Amen? 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 I know there's people in the back laughing, and I know why. So it's all right. Listen, how many know we serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords this morning? He has no rival. He has no equal. Amen? This morning and every morning. Amen? Man. (laughs) We see the end of this battle in heaven. Revelation 12, we see the end of this battle. and And then John hears a loud voice. He hears a loud voice. When he hears a loud voice, it says this, verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren, who is that? That's the enemy. That's Satan. That's the great dragon. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night, he has been cast down. And here's how he was cast down. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. Say short. There will be a time where Satan will be cast from heaven. And when he gets to the earth, he's going to unleash his wrath upon people. In this period of tribulation, he's lost the battle. Heaven is now shut to him. He used to accuse us day and night. How many know what I mean? Listen. He used to accuse us day and night. A lot of times in our life, we need to have a clear understanding of who Jesus is to us. 
We need to have a clear understanding of what Jesus did for us. We need to have a clear understanding of his grace and of his mercy. Remember, it's not cheap grace. We're not talking about cheap grace this morning. But when the accuser comes to your mind, when the accuser comes and says, don't you remember you did this, you did this, and you did this, you can say, yeah, I remember. And I remember that I am covered by the blood of the Lamb. He is defeated by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Say testimony. What is a testimony? Tim shared a testimony just a little bit ago. Tina shared a testimony a few weeks ago. It is a testimony of what God has done in our life, right? If you are not sharing what Jesus has done in your life, for your soul, for eternity, you're not fulfilling what you're supposed to be doing as a Christian. If you're not sharing the gospel of Jesus with those around you, if you're not sharing the the same eternal saving light that saved you, we are in sin. It's sinful. We overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, amen, and by the word of our testimony. You say, Pastor David, I haven't talked to anybody about Jesus in years. Get to it, man. Pastor David, you you don't understand. It's just so hard to talk to people. It's so hard to talk to people, Pastor David. I find it pretty easy to talk to people. That's one of the things God has gifted me with. I can just walk up to a random person. Hey, how you doing? What's your name? My name's David. What are you doing? What do you do? (laughs) Conversation, right? It's pretty easy. It's a little embarrassing, sure. For some people, it is crazy. Like, like it is the, it, the number one fear in the world is public speaking. So for them to approach anybody takes an act of courage, right? And so, Jocelyn, I, I stand up, please. I'm going to embarrass you a little, okay? Come here. This is a very sweet girl. She also can be a very quiet girl, not at home, but everywhere else, right? It might be tough for her to approach somebody and say, hey, can I, can I uh, you know, not, not just random strangers. Hey, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you how to get right or get left, right? That's not, that's not what we're talking about, right? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about people you have relationship with. People that are in, in your circle, people that you have influence with, people that you run into, people that you see at the store, people that you see that they're in heartache, they're in hurt, they're in tragedy, and you say, man, I got a lifeline for you, right? Because that's what we're called to do as Christians. We're called to share the testimony of what God did for us. We want to help them come out of the muck and the mire, amen? Because we have been through it. We know what it's like. And we want to help them along. Because that's what we're called to do as Christians. So Jocelyn goes and approaches somebody and with timidity and maybe with a little bit of apprehension says, listen, I know you're going through a tough time, but let me tell you what helped me. Let me tell you about how I overcame this. Let me direct you to that who doesn't just give water for those who are thirsty now, but gives Water for eternal life. Amen? Give her a hand. This will embarrass her. (laughs) 
I don't always embarrass my kids, but when I do, it's a good time. We overcome him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of our testimony. So he loses this battle. Satan loses his battle, gets kicked out of heaven. He's done. He's not going back. Now he's on the earth, and he's full of wrath. He is royally ticked off. Just ticked. He knows his time is short, and now he wants to inflict as much damage as he can with the time that he has. So he goes after the woman again. Who is the woman? Israel. He goes after the woman again. Verse 13 says this. Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. That's Israel. That's, we're not talking about Mary, even though Mary is a part of that. We're talking about Israel as a whole. But the woman, Israel, was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time. Now, this is interesting. Say time, times, half a time. How long is that? Three and a half years. Three and a half years. Again, these numbers keep coming up, right? A time, times, and half a time. And there's a protection from the presence of the serpent. The woman is Israel. Satan begins to greatly persecute Israel. Listen, this is his playbook. This is the one he always goes back to. He always goes back to persecuting Israel. It's always been his most used strategy. Try and destroy Israel. It's the belief that if he destroys Israel, he wins. Dr. Uh, Pastor Mark Lanier broke this down. I like this. He broke this down in a really great way. Historically, Satan has always tried to destroy the promise of God. Satan has always tried to destroy the promise of God. Remember, Adam and Eve had two sons. What were their names? Cain and Abel, right? Cain kills Abel and is cursed, but is the promise destroyed? No. Why? Because another son comes named Seth. Out of Seth, there's coming a promise. Now humanity grows, and as it does, Satan works his plan, and now generations down the line, most of humanity is consumed by evil. Most of humanity is consumed by evil, and in order to purge the evil from the earth, God sends a flood. Does Satan win? No. Because God preserves a man named Noah and his three sons. His three sons are named Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Out of the line of Shem, God calls people to himself. The Semitic people or the Hebrew people. They are put into slavery. Satan tries again to destroy them. God brings a deliverer named Moses. Now they come to a promised land, and soon the people will want a king. So eventually, God brings them a boy named David. The whole time, Satan is trying to destroy the prophetic promises of God. The entire time, every time Israel is attacked, Satan is trying to destroy the prophetic promises of God. But how many know out of the line of David, out of the line and lineage of David comes a girl named Mary who will be called blessed among women, who will give birth to a child and lay him in a manger. 
and the name of that child is Jesus Christ. All right, this isn't necessarily a Christmas message this morning, but we may as well celebrate it, amen? We may as well celebrate it this morning because every time the enemy thinks he has won, God has a plan in place, right? And a part of that plan was for God himself to become man and lay on the cross for you and for me. Satan will try time and time and time again to destroy the plan of God in your life. Listen to me. Satan will try time and time and time again to destroy the plan he has for your life. Some of you God is speaking to you right now. Saying, man, that's me. That accuser of the brethren, that, that old devil, that serpent, he continually comes after me. He continually comes after my testimony. It's a struggle day after day after day. He is continually trying to destroy the prophetic promise that God has on your life. It's what he does. It's who he is. Listen. Listen. How many know that he will fail every time? Because he is just that stupid. He will fail every time because he is just that stupid. God, he, he tries, fails. Tries, fails. Tries again, fails. Tries to destroy Israel, fails. Tries to destroy you, fails. Why? Because God is good and God has a hold of you this morning. Amen? Satan will try time and time and time again. But remember, he is an ant beneath the shoe of a mighty king. Amen? We should not fear him. We should laugh at him in his foolishness. Ha, 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 You big dummy. We should laugh at him. I just spit a little. What's going on here? Thank God nobody's in the... Well, I didn't get you there, did I, Mike? Listen. This big dummy, he thinks he's going to destroy Israel after he's cast out of heaven. Again, he just that's what he does. That's his playbook. But Israel is led to a place of protection for a period of time. A time, times, and half a time. He's three and a half years, they are led to a place of protection. Now, there's another reason that we see that this is all happening during the tribulation. So what is it? Satan is cast to earth. Israel is being protected. What comes next? says this, verse 15. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like, the, like a flood after the woman, that he might cause her, or Israel, to be carried away by the flood. Now, we don't know what kind of flood this is. It's possible it could be a literal flood. It could also be a figurative flood, like a flood of soldiers. But regardless, it's not going to work. Go to the next slide. It says this in verse 16. But the earth helped the woman. And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of its mouth. He tried again to destroy Israel. He tried and failed, tried and failed, tried and failed. You think he'd get used to it by now. But he doesn't. He tries and fails. And now he throws a tantrum. How many have ever seen a, a tantrum before? 
Come on. All of a sudden, it's like our little angel child has been possessed in Walmart. And they're screaming, and then they do that little ninja move where they just fall to the ground. You can't pick them up anymore. Right? They throw a tantrum. Some of the kids back there are testifying right now. The enemy throws a tantrum. It says this, verse 17. And the dragon, who's the dragon? Satan, Lucifer. He is enraged with the woman. He is enraged with Israel. And he went to make war with who? The rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So seeing this, we see a few things. The woman, this nation of Israel, and is under a special protection for a specific amount of time. Satan can't get her. Satan can't get a hold of her. Satan is, is, is guarded away from her, right? So instead, he goes after her offspring. Who is her offspring? That's us. That's us. We are the offspring of Israel. We have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, again, some of you may have a what's called a pre-trib view of the rapture, and that's okay. But in, in this case, we, you're already gone. Okay? We're already gone. Pre-trib, you're already gone. Mid-trib, you might still be here. Post-trib, definitely here. Right? So in, in that view, you're already gone. But in this perspective, Satan is going after those who have come to Christ after the rapture going after the seed, going after the offspring of Israel. So if you don't hold to a pre-trib view, then this would include those believers who are still here during this part of the tribulation. So Satan's angry, he's enraged, and now he's coming after the church. The attack is going to be strong. The attack is going to be brutal. We see the attack in chapter 13 and 14. And we will look at it more next week. Cliffhanger. Don't read ahead. I mean, you could very well read ahead. Uh, Austin, if you make your way forward this morning. If you could all stand with me. The revelation of Jesus Christ. How many know God is good this morning? Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ, Lord. It's the season we're in, amen. Oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him.
Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. You know, this message of Revelation, this narrative that we're in right now, it's, it's kind of crazy. Kind of the woman, the dragon, the, the child. And we see how Satan continually tries to mess us up. Continually tries to throw us off of what God has for us. It's what he does. It's his plan. It's, it's always been his plan. He's a big dummy. Right? How many know the, the uh, definition of crazy is to do the same thing what is it? Over and over and over again, expect different results. Just banging his head against the wall. I love it every time. This dumb devil thinks he can take you out. But God's got a hold of you this morning. Amen?